Alrighty, what's going on, beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode of the Trent Corville Show. The Sweet 16 and the Elite 8 of the uh, NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament has come and gone, and oh boy, was it a good one. There was great college basketball over the last couple days, and we will get into all of it. First game I want to talk about in the Sweet 16 is a Pac-12 matchup, USC versus Oregon. Now, both of these teams were incredibly hot coming into the Sweet 16. USC had some good wins. Oregon obviously defeated number two, Iowa, in the second round. Southern Cal is a really good basketball team, okay? They have these twins, uh, the Mobley twins. One of them is a freshman. One of them is a sophomore. These kids are seven feet tall. They can run around. They can do everything, you know, a big man in the NBA can do nowadays as far as height goes. They're really incredible to watch. They kind of dominated Oregon from the entire game. Uh, USC shot 58% from the field. That's a great percentage to go against an Oregon team who really kind of shut down Iowa. The only guy for Iowa that I was scoring was Luca Garza. So, you know, USC, they played a really good game, obviously 58% of the field. Isaiah White did lead them in points with uh, 22 points. He had, did have four, four three-pointers. First time uh, Southern Cal has been in the Elite Eight since 2001, and that may come as a surprise to some people, because Southern Cal is always looked at as a top school, regardless of the record, you know, in football and in basketball. They came in as a six-seed Moving on to the Elite Eight, congratulations. The next game, we're going to talk about another Pac-12 team versus an SEC team. Oh boy, was this one really fun. UCLA versus Alabama. UCLA beats Alabama. 11 seed UCLA beats 2 seed Alabama. 88 to 78 in overtime. I mean, look, I had Alabama basically going all the way. I thought they were an incredible team. UCLA is is the Cinderella of this year. If we could have pulled somebody out of all the teams who upset upset the big guys in the first couple rounds, I did not think it was going to be UCLA. UCLA, uh, it was tied 65-65, obviously, to send it into overtime. In overtime, UCLA kind of dominated. They went on a quick 7-0 and run. Bama, they were leading the nation in three-pointers the entire season, right? They were the best three-point shooting team out of everybody. They went 7 for 28 from three, shot terribly from the line as well, 11 for 25, couldn't get it done. Disappointing game for Alabama and coach Nate Oates. UCLA moves on to the Elite Eight. Next game was the uh, Florida State versus Michigan game. This game had a lot of high hopes. A lot of people were thinking Florida State was going to have this one truly based on size of the players. Now, we talked about it last week. Florida State has monsters, right? They have literal, you know, the Monstars in the Space Jam movie with Michael Jordan. That's, you know, the team that they played in the movie, the Monstars. That's what I, th- that's what I thought of Florida State, the Monstars. They're huge, huge gentlemen playing basketball in college. Michigan, though, has some big guys who can play. That kid, Hunter Dickinson, he's a rebound freak. He can also fill it up on the inside. Michigan handled this game. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't close. Florida State played an awful game before this game against Colorado. It, it, they, they shot poorly from the field under 35%. Michigan wins easily. They move on to the Elite Eight. It would have been interesting to see Florida State kind of move on. You know, I I didn't think they had the offensive weapons. Their offense was not prolific enough. Florida State couldn't get it done on the defensive side. Michigan moves on to the Elite Eight to face UCLA. 
other games, you know, there was a couple other blowouts. I'm just going to say this right now, and we, we need to talk about this. Gonzaga is the best college basketball team I have seen in my lifetime. I'm saying it right there. I thought it was the 2006-2007 Florida Gators, Joe Kim Noah, Al Horford, Corey Brewer, those guys, obviously national champions. But damn, this team's good. They play offense like nobody's played offense I've ever seen before. It is quick. It's fast. They can shoot the ball. Jalen Suggs has to be the first pick in the draft. He is an athletic freak. He can play every every side of the ball in basketball, whether it's driving to the lane, shooting the three, playing D, whatever it is, Jalen Suggs can do that from the point guard position. Corey Kispert will be a lottery pick as well. He is phenomenal from the three-point line. They win easily against Creighton. Everybody was hype on Creighton. Oh, you know, this could be the team to beat Zaga. This is the one. They shoot 3-2. They shoot it as well. But Gonzaga has a different level that they can turn it on to. You know, they, they can turn the dial whenever they want. Gonzaga wins big, 83-65, to moving on to the Elite Eight. The game that surprised most of us, Oregon State versus Loyola of Chicago. Now, I said on this program last week that Loyola of Chicago was going to make it to the Final Four and that they were the best defensive team in the country. Clearly, I was incorrect because this team played like they hadn't played basketball in the last couple months, okay? They look like all of them got COVID and didn't play for the last month. That's seriously how, how it looked. I get Oregon State was hot. They were incredibly hot coming into this game. They won their last 11 games. I get all that, right? But they weren't better than Loyola as far as the team goes. They shouldn't have been. Loyola just faced the most talented team in the country in the second round of the playoffs, okay? The most talented team roster-wise in the country and absolutely dogged them. Illinois never had a chance. They didn't have a chance in that game to come back. And you're going to face an Oregon State team? 12 seed Oregon State came in there and honestly it, it it wasn't really close you know I get that they were tied at halftime I believe it was 35-35 but Oregon State pulled away you can't rely on one guy Loyola of Chicago and that's what they did Cameron Kirkwig they relied on him to win the game to take them to the final four it was very evident they kept feeding him and feeding him and feeding him the All-American did not have a good game this is a first team All-American First team All-American going up against an Oregon State team. At the beginning of the season, Oregon State was supposed to finish dead last in the Pac-12. They were 14-12 and in the regular season. They didn't have a good regular season. And this team came in there to Loyola of Chicago and beat them down. That's what they did. It was a huge shocker for everybody. Ethan Thompson, who is a guard for Oregon State, led the way with 20 points. But Loyola just disappointed on all levels. Everybody was incredibly high on this kid, Cameron Kirkwick. Oh, this guy's the next one. He's the, he's the next up. He's six foot eight. He's 240 pounds. He's big. He can move. He can shoot the ball. He played horribly. It, it wasn't even close. The game, it, it wasn't close. Like, you knew Oregon State was going to pull this one out. Both teams also shot terribly from the free throw line. That's been a trend this entire tournament. The free throw shooting was terrible. Oregon State moves on uh, to beat Loyola Chicago and to move on to the Elite Eight. Next game, Baylor and Villanova. Villanova actually led this game at half. 
I was high on Villanova. I th- I think I was. I did. I haven't believed in Baylor this entire tournament just because the Ken Palm rankings, right? You know, the the stats guy, the big analytics guy for college basketball, Ken Palm. Obviously, he had Gonzaga ranked at one, and then Baylor ranked at two the entire year. And I'm like. This Baylor team, I get that they're in the Big 12. It's a tough division. They only lost one game during the regular season, but I wasn't high on them. It was the same thing like I wasn't high on Gonzaga until I sat down and watched them play. And then I was like, "Uh uh-oh, like this is a good basketball team. I didn't think that with Baylor. I didn't think that watching this game against Villanova. I thought Villanova was the better basketball team. But Baylor was able to pull it away. They have a really fast offense. They got a lot of strong guys on the on the uh block on the interior uh, on the defensive side for Baylor. They're they're a good basketball team, but I thought I thought Villanova should have won this game. You're leading at half uh, by I think it was by 8 points. Leading by 8 points at half to a one seed Baylor. You could have knocked them off, ended up losing 62 to 51. I you know, Villanova they usually get good talent. You know what I'm saying? They're a team that even though they're in the Big East, which is a smaller uh, smaller NCAA conference, they're able to get better talent, you know, because it's Villanova. It's a very highly touted franchise, just like Gonzaga is, you know. Gonzaga plays in the West Coast Conference, but they they always get recruits. They get they get five star guys to come play for the program. It, it was a great game. Low scoring. I thought it was gonna be a little bit higher scoring, but Villanova does play good D. Baylor ends up winning 62 to 51, moving on to the Elite Eight. The game I really, really want to talk about over this Sweet 16 period, Oral Roberts. Okay, the 15 seed. Oral Roberts went on to play Arkansas in the Sweet 16. I was high on Arkansas, obviously the must bus. But Oral Roberts came in there and played a game. That kid, Max Ahams, who was the leading scorer in the country out of every basketball team in the country, he was the leading scorer, uh, scorer at Oral Roberts. He put up a phenomenal game against Arkansas. Arkansas ends up winning 72-70. to There was a last-second shot by Ahams. He shot it from three. They're down by two, and it just rimmed out. It kind of reminded me of the Gordon Hayward shot when he was at Butler about like 10 or 12 years ago when he shot it from half court, and it bounced around and fell out. It was so disappointing. That kid is a phenomenal basketball player. I mean, the kid was putting up 30 points a game. 30 points a game, averaging. He was he was the top scorer in the country. He'll get drafted. That, that's what's great about the tournament is that you're able to see guys like this who might not have had the light shined on them the entire year until he was able to make the tournament, and then the stats are coming out like, oh, yeah, this guy was the leading scorer in the country. Like, like we're, we're forgetting that this guy can put up points regardless of the, uh, of the game. You know what I'm saying? And Arkansas and Oral Roberts played each other in December. So these teams knew each other. Oral Roberts led at halftime. You know, Arkansas the last couple games has played down. They they were they were doing this whole thing where they're like, yeah, we're gonna get down by 12 points and then eventually come back and win by two. They did that the entire tournament. They went down and they were like, you know what? Okay, we'll turn it on now. This is the time. All right, you guys ready? Everybody warmed up. It's like they needed a stretch. They needed a stretch before they went in the second half and then you know turn it on. Oral Roberts, congrats on your run. It's obviously great for your program. You're going to get more eyes on it. But Arkansas moves on to the Elite Eight. He was so close. It was a great shot, too. Great play design by the Oral Roberts coach on the inbound. And a great shot by Max Ahams. And he wasn't able to get it done. 
you should be proud of yourselves, Oral Roberts, for you know making to the tournament period, but making the Sweet 16, that's very unheard of, especially for a 15 seed. Great, great tournament run, but Arkansas moves on to the Elite Eight. Now this game. Oh boy, this game. I don't know if anybody remembers uh, how high I was on the Syracuse Orange, right? The Q's, right? I was incredibly high on Jim Beheim and his son, Buddy. Obviously, all week, you know, that's been the story. Oh, Buddy and Jim Beheim. Oh, he's been around the program. He, he played, he was, there was a clip of him playing with Carmelo Anthony after the national championship game in 2003. People were going nuts over it. I'm sick of it because he came out, Buddy Bayheim and Jim Bayheim and company came out against Houston, a Houston team who has not been playing good basketball. They haven't. Okay. They've won all their games, but Rutgers played them incredibly close. They should have lost that game. And then they come into Syracuse. Okay. Both these teams, you know, they weren't scoring a ton of points, right? Houston, especially Houston is one of the best defensive teams in the country right now, especially after their elite eight win, but against Syracuse. Houston was playing incredibly good D. They were out-rebounding Syracuse like nobody's business. Uh, Syracuse couldn't pull a rebound down to save your life. Hey, Buddy Bayheim, you're six foot eight, pal. How about you go get a rebound instead of shooting threes like crazy? Buddy Bayheim was supposed to be the guy in this game. Houston wasn't able to stop the shooters the entire tournament. If you have one guy shooting the basketball, he will be able to put up points. You have to play good defense, but Buddy Bayheim was the key in this game. And it showed based on the score. Syracuse loses 40. They only put up 46 points the entire game. 46. You know why? Let me tell you why. Buddy Bayheim went one of nine from the three-point line. He put up six of 20 the last game to beat West Virginia, three seat. Six of, you go one of nine, three of 13 total? Buddy Bayheim's the reason Syracuse lost his game. Did they put too much on him? Did the hype get to him? It really seems like it. It really seems like that you have a week of stardom. Oh, the coach's son, he's, he's finally playing good. He's beating a West Virginia team who a lot of people thought would get to the Final Four. Oh, this is the guy. This is the tournament, Cinderella. Oh, you choke under pressure. With the lights on you, you choke. You shot 3 of 13 and 1 from 9. You're the reason the team lost. They were counting on you to put in buckets because you're the scorer. You got one guy in college basketball. Gonzaga has three of them. That's why they're a completely different basketball team than everybody else. But Buddy Beheim was supposed to be the shooter, and you made three baskets. An incredibly big disappointment for the Beheim family in general. I mean, it was sad. Finally, let's move on to the Elite Eight games, okay? Because this all happened within a span of four or five days. Oregon State versus Houston, okay? We, I know we just got done talking about this Houston team, okay? This was a terrible game. This was a terrible game to watch. Both teams shot under 35% from the field. Houston shot 32%. Oregon State shot 35%. People were missing free throws left and right. Listen to this. Oregon State went 11 for 20 from the free throw line. 11 for 20. Houston went 15 for 24. Both teams missed nine free throws. Hey, ready? It's a free shot. It's pretty simple. It's a free shot. If you look at it, Houston was playing phenomenal free throw defense. I don't know what was getting into everybody's head, but you're standing at the line looking at the basket. It's a free shot. 
You have to make your free throws. Houston's going to win this Elite Eight game 67-61. to I get Oregon State was hot. It wasn't close. I know six points, but they also, Oregon State got out-rebounded as well. Houston's a phenomenal rebounding team. That's been the key in these tournaments. You got to get your rebounds, and you have to make your free throws. Easy opportunities. Oregon State gave up 12 offensive rebounds. You had 12 possessions go back to the other team because you couldn't make a rebound. That cannot happen in college basketball. That cannot happen if you're looking to win a championship. And the the star guard for uh, Oregon State, Ethan Thompson, everybody's high on this kid too. Oh, this is the guy. This is the guy. He's going to come in and give Houston trouble. 3 of 12, Ethan Thompson from the field. 3 of 12. What's going on with these quote-unquote stars that are coming in? You know what's going on? These teams that are actually ranked really high are beating them down is what's going on. It's talent. We get so high on these kids. You know what I'm saying? We're like, oh, this this is the guy. If anybody's going to lead a team to the championship, it's going to be Buddy Behan. If anybody's going to lead a Cinderella team to the championship, it's going to be Ethan Thompson. Well, they shut him down. They absolutely shut him down. And guess what? That's not a star. You're not a star player if you get shut down. Give me, give me the last time LeBron got shut down in a playoff game. Give me the last time James Harden got shut down. Nobody gets shut down if you're a star. Nobody's shutting down Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga. Nobody's shutting down Drew Timmy from Gonzaga. Corey Kispert from Gonzaga. Nobody's shutting down those guys. Ethan Thompson got shut down. Buddy Bayheim got shut down by better players. Better basketball players. That's what Houston was. 67-61. Houston, moving on to the Final Four. Next game, Baylor and Arkansas. And I was high on Arkansas once again, once again. And boy, did they disappoint. I guess I've been wrong about Baylor. That's what it is. I've just been wrong about Baylor. They're a really good basketball team. And I haven't wanted to admit it. I thought every other basketball team in the Big 12 besides Baylor would be at this point now, even though Baylor was a one seed. You know why? Because I hate a one seed. I hate a one seed being in the Final Four. And I thought Baylor's time was coming. And I guess not. I was wrong. All right. Both teams shot well, about 50% from the field each. Arkansas had about six more turnovers, though, than Baylor. Turnovers, free throw shots, and rebounds. Okay. The fundamentals of basketball. Are we forgetting about fundamentals? Tim Duncan, you know, Mr. Fundamental, all right, he'll tell you you got to get the rebounds, you can't turn the ball over, you got to make your free throws. Simple. That's that's fundamental basketball. Grab your rebounds, make your free throws, and don't turn the ball over. If you do those three things, you're going to win the game. Guess who doesn't do those three things? Arkansas. They, they, they didn't do those three things well at all. Oregon State didn't do those three, th- three things well. Syracuse didn't do those three things well. You turn the ball over, you, you give up rebounds. You know who go, gets the ball? The other team. How about you crash the glass? You know what I'm saying? A lot of these college players nowadays put up a shot and just want to watch it. You want to watch the shot. You want to look at it go in. You know what I'm saying? There are so many opportunities for these guys to make a shot or to shoot the basketball and immediately go after the basketball. Get another possession. That's what Houston did. That's what Houston has done this entire tournament. They've crashed the glass so they can they haven't shot well at all. If you're not shooting well, if you're not a basketball team shooting the ball well, rebound the ball so you can shoot it again. You know, you're not, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. It's the most cliche quote in the world, but it's true. You have to shoot the ball. 
And if you're not getting the basketball back, you can't shoot the ball. Pretty simple. Baylor wins 82-71 to against Arkansas. The must bus goes down. The tires have fallen off. So Arkansas loses 71-82. to Disappointing end to the season for Arkansas. Moving on to the next Elite Eight game. USC versus Gonzaga. And this, kind of, this game solidified uh, Gonzaga being the best basketball team in college basketball that I've ever seen. Uh, just because USC is a really good basketball team. The Mobley Twins are no joke. They are no joke really good basketball players. And two guys like that, uh, they could have gone to the championship uh, with that kind of talent. I I had no clue. I had no clue about these Mobley Twins. That kind of talent would have led you to the uh, at least the Final Four if you didn't have to play Gonzaga. But Gonzaga is an incredible incredible basketball team I've never seen such fluidity on the offensive side of the ball like it is so effortless the way that this team plays and maybe it's because they played together for a long time a couple of the guys I think like three out of the five starters are seniors they've been there for a long time they're such an incredible basketball team I mean I've never seen anything like it with the the weapons that they have Drew Timmy out of any given night one of the three big things three that they have in Drew Timmy, Corey Kispert, Jalen Suggs, they all could be the leading scorer of the team every single game. Drew Timmy, it was his time to shine against USC, especially with the big guys down low. He finished with 23 points, kind of dominated the Mobley Twins on the block. Gonzaga wins 85-66, moving on to the Final Four. Next game, boy, this was a shocker. Nobody saw this coming. Terrible game as far as points goes. Number 11 seed, the UCLA Bruins, end up beating Michigan. Number one seed, Michigan, Coach Jawan Howard, member of the Fab Five. This is the problem with Michigan right here. They're a team of tradition. They love tradition. Their football team still thinks that they're going to run the ball every play, and that's how they're going to win a championship, right? Well, Harbaugh, you haven't won in a long time. Same with Michigan's basketball team. They bring back Jawan Howard, obviously. He's a, he's a part of the Fab Five. He's a Michigan legend, okay? Everybody loves Jawan Howard, right? Why do we stick tra- with tradition? Was Jawan Howard your best option for a coach? And I, I, I don't want to get, I don't want to, you know, hate on Jawan Howard because he has done a decent job with the program. But let's be honest here, Michigan. This is what you guys do. They, they just hire guys who have been to Michigan before or have been a part of the, the program in some way and look for them to change it. They don't expand their horizons. And you come out and score 49 points total? If you know anything about overs and unders, right, as far as points goes, if, you, if you're a guy who wants the under, you're, you, life is too short to want a game to go under the points total. This game went so far, the total points that Vegas was thinking was going to be scored in this game was 133 points. 133 points. That's a a decent amount of points. 103 points were scored in this game. 103. And Vegas is usually not that wrong, you know what I'm saying, when it comes to their predictions. Defensively, these teams were... Back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. You see, it's, it's really cool to see UCLA. UCLA hasn't been good for a long time. For a very long time. Maybe the 70s and 80s last time they won a championship. John Wooden, he's part of UCLA, right? Definitely, he was a coach for UCLA at some point. UCLA, you know, they, 
They had the Ball Brothers at one point. You know, Big Baller Brand was involved with UCLA. Russell Westbrook is a graduate of UCLA. UCLA is a storied basketball franchise. Last time UCLA was in the Final Four was 2007. And I I kind of vividly remember that just because the Florida Gators went back-to-back during that season. This game was horrible. UCLA-Michigan, terrible shooting game. Both teams went under 40%. The one seed Michigan goes down to an 11 seed UCLA. UCLA moves on to the final four, first final four since 2007. Let's talk about the final four before we get out of here, okay? Four teams, Houston and Baylor will face off the number two seed Houston versus number one seed Baylor. Baylor is favored by five points in this game. That's a shocker. I thought it would be a little bit closer since Houston's been playing good basketball, right? But if you look at the points total, it's a pretty high points total, 130 points. Take the under on this, no doubt. The game is going to be incredibly close. Both teams play okay defense, but Houston, Houston's defense is going to give Baylor problems, all right? But look, I've been off Baylor the entire tournament. I literally, I, I've thought, I thought they should have lost in the second round and, and in the first round. Give me Houston plus five. Do I think Houston will win the game? No, I think Baylor is going to win the game, but I do believe that they will keep it close. This will be a low scoring bout for these two teams just because of the defensive play for Houston. They're able to slow the game down. It's not fun basketball to watch, but it is, you know, tactical. Next game, UCLA versus Gonzaga. Now, I just, you know, talked very highly on the Bruins, but let's get some straight here. Like I said in the beginning of the show, Gonzaga is the best team uh, in the country, and they're the best team I've ever seen play basketball in college. There is no doubt, no doubt in my mind that Gonzaga wins this game and handles this game uh, by at least 20 points. And this might be a bad take, but when a team is undefeated, right, which Gonzaga is 30-0 right now in this basketball season, when a team is undefeated, we always hope that they lose. We always hope that that undefeated season is broken. I, I might be like that for every other team, but this team right here is so great. The big three for Gonzaga is so good at basketball. Jalen Suggs, Corey Kispert, Drew Timmy. I want to see them go undefeated. I would like to see them win the national championship solely because they deserve it. They 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 deserve it because they're playing perfect basketball. They deserve to be at the top of the mountain because they are playing like they should be at the top of the mountain. They're favored by 14 points, okay? It's a lot of points. I think they'll put their foot on the gas for this one because UCLA has obviously shocked Really good teams, okay? Alabama, really good basketball team, and they held them to seven threes, seven for 28. Alabama's a really good basketball team. UCLA beat them by 10 in overtime. UCLA beats number one Michigan by two. Game was a terrible shooting game. That, that's weird about UCLA. They can turn it on and off. It's either, all right, we're going to score a ton of points and just hope we score more than them, or we're going to play some rugged, rugged, hard defense and try to beat this team down physically. They did it to Michigan. They scored a ton of points against Alabama. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with Gonzaga, but I'm taking Gonzaga all day. So basically what this means is we're going to have a one seed and a one seed. Even though we had so many upsets this year, it was all great to see all the you know, all the high seeds beating low seeds. But at the end of the day, two one seeds are going to be in the national championship because they were the two best teams in the tournament, even though I thought Baylor wasn't. And Gonzaga will eventually 
be the national champions going undefeated throughout the season. This episode is over and I greatly appreciate everybody listening to the program. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Give me a five-star rating, no less five stars, and uh, share with a friend, be a friend, see a friend, tell a friend. I greatly appreciate everybody listening. I love all of you. Peace and love. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend.